0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the CAV Sports Podcast. It's your host with the most, Chris. I hope everyone's having a fantastic day. I hope everyone had a great 4th of July. As of this recording, it is being recorded on July 5th, so the day after the 4th of July. So whenever this does get uploaded, just know this was recorded on July 5th. So this is a, so this is 24 hours after July 4th, but I hope everyone had a great Fourth of July, pop fireworks, eat some barbecue, hot dogs, hamburgers, whatever you guys make for the Fourth of July. I know I had a great Fourth of July. I Got to hang out with um, some friends of mine, and you know, got to hang out with a bunch of people. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we did, we did a lot of different things. Like we popped some fireworks. Obviously, ate some you know some hot dogs and some burgers. Hung out with hung out with some friends, and you know, just had a relaxed Fourth of July. Nothing really crazy happening. I don't really go like to a lake or anything like that, just because I I, I feel like a lot of people go to lakes, it's just very crowded. So I I personally didn't go to a lake or anything like that for the 4th of July, but I hope you guys had a great one and a safe one. I know 4th of July can be a little chaotic if you're not careful, so I hope everyone had a safe 4th of July. I know uh, what else I did was I watched some baseball games since America's pastime, why would you not want to watch, you know, the MLB going on, my Red Sox playing. They lost, sadly, but it's okay. It's okay. It's only one game, but they did lose it. So, but we're gonna be all right. I really hope. But another great, a great event that happened yesterday on the Fourth of July was the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, where the greatest of all time, Joey Chestnut, would win his 16th mustard belt. Whoa! That isn't saying he Ric Flair'd basically the hot dog competition and what i found interesting about like first of all i think that whole competition is crazy just because you're seeing a bunch of like adults you know eat a lot of hot dogs and one in like 10 minutes and like Trying to get through a couple for me personally is already t- a tough task as it is, but imagine just sitting there in 10 minutes. You got to go through as many as you can. And him going through 60 plus is just an incredible feat. But not only just that, but the fact that the event was getting, was, was essentially canceled. It was canceled because there was rain and they had to, they had to just completely stop the event because I mean, who wants to, you know, eat food in the rain? Even though in my opinion, I don't know why I feel like that, like kind of, even as the playing field, unless there's lightning, if there was lightning, then that's something different. But if it was just rain, I mean, the, 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 the competitors dump, like, the food in water or, like, lemonade or whatever they have on stand. And they dunk it in there to, you know, be able to eat it and get it, you know, kind of through and so they can get as many as they can. So, I already see them doing that. So, that's why I didn't understand why rain was such a big deal when you see them, you know, stuff hot dogs or whatever inside of, like... You know, fountain drinks or something. So I was like, I don't really see what the difference was in that. If anything, that kind of gives everyone an equal playing field, but Joey Chestnut, he comes out and he's like, no, we're going to get the show on the road. Like we're going to do this competition, rain or sunshine. We're going to do it. And they did it. They, they said the competition was back on and he went out there and won another title. So congratulations to Joey Chestnut, the greatest of all time to ever do it. Like I said, I'm, I'm more surprised that they actually got the green light to actually get the event going because it was like, I think they shut it down like ESPN, like they were on like they did Sports Center because the event got cancelled and then all of a sudden, like I think right after Sports Center, they went right back to it and they said, All right, well I guess we're doing the competition today. So but I mean, shout out to Joey Joey Chaz Chestnut for actually getting them to keep going with the event just because like I said with rain not a lot of people want to be out there watch people eat food in the rain but I mean that's called dedication to the sport like you cannot say Joey Chestnut is not dedicated to his sport because wow he went out there and was able to pull off you know this feat of getting people to come in and still do this competition and not only do they I believe, the hot dog eating contest but they also do like um like gallons of lemonade I forgot who the the man was the one that last year, but he was there again this year. Uh, and I'm just like, wow, I cannot, I can never do that. That is very, very hard to do. But, you know, but they were able to get it going. I was very happy because I know I'll, I was trying to watch it, but that's when I heard it was rained out. So they weren't sure if they're going to do the event because I could never, I could never get it to turn on. So I just, I think 1230 ended up rolling around. So I started watching the Red Sox and the, and the Rangers game. So I thought like, okay, I guess it's over, but then I get a notification in the middle of me eating of, hey, they're doing, they're doing the hot dog eating competition and they're coming back out and doing it. So, but shout out to Joey Chestnut for getting that whole competition still going through rain or sunshine. You guys know that Joey Chestnut will not fear a challenge. So, you know. My hat's off to him because that was incredible. He was able to pull that off. So congratulations again to Mr. Joey Chestnut, one of the greatest of all time to ever do it, and he's going down as probably one of the most impactful people in his sport. All right, so moving on to the NBA, a lot of stuff has been happening in free agency, or not really free agency, but this offseason for the NBA, but we're going to stick with the Dallas Mavericks real quick because today some crazy news happened on top of other stuff, but... Uh, earlier today it was reported that Grant Williams has been traded from the Celtics to the Mavericks. I'm excited. I'm really excited because last year, you know, aside of us having, you know Luca and Kyrie, we went downhill really quickly whenever he arrived because I felt that we we got rid of a lot of key players that were more important than we thought because even though yes, the superstars are important, like Katie and or not Katie, I'm sorry Luca and Kyrie, you know working together. I get all that, but we also need like those role players or like you know, people on the bench to come up and step step up when one of them is either out, you know, with injury or they're not playing that night or they're having an off night. You have those players ready to go, just like the Nuggets did. The Nuggets ha- still had a lot of good players aside of Jokic and Jamal Murray. They still had you know KCP, Aaron Gordon. You guys name it. We saw the championship run that they had, and they blew out the West. So now. The Mavericks I believe are taking a page out of the Nuggets playbook cuz now they're just going to get players left and right. Today it was Grant Williams. I believe they were in a three team trade with the Spurs. So Reggie Bullock is go- it got traded to go to the Spurs and now and I believe the Celtics received a second round pick and I believe the Mavericks received a second round pick for Reggie Bullock, which is fine with me because I thought we were going to have to give up like Tim Hardaway or something, and that was like a little more of my concern because I didn't want to lose Timmy because I feel like he's a pretty good asset to the team, but we didn't get rid of him, and we only got rid of second round picks for Grant Williams. I think that's that's a win. That's kind of highway robbery in my opinion, just because like I said, I'd rather have Timmy than Reggie, but Grant Williams coming in, he I think he did a great job for the Celtics, you know, stepping up when he needed to, whenever Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown were not, you know, they weren't hot or they weren't doing well. He stepped up and did well. I know he's a pretty decent defender, so that's going to come in handy, you know, going into the Mavericks season, because that was one of my biggest, my biggest things with the Mavericks was that we could not defend. It was cool that we can score 130, but when the opposing team can score 135, that means our defense is wrong. That means there's, we got to fix something. So I'm glad that Mark Cuban and Jason Kidd are go, are winning this offseason saying we got to get extra players because we can't always rely on Luka Doncic or Kyrie Irving, If you know, since now he's coming back, which I'll talk about that in a second. With them coming back, we can't just rely on both of them to score the majority of the points and the rest of the team not to do anything. We got to get some people to help them out, especially now since they're probably going to revolve the team around Luca and Kyrie since they got Kyrie for three years. This is a good time to at least get a team, you know, kind of forming around them, especially since they were pretty good prior to Kyrie coming. And then the year, you know, this past year, they were, I believe, top five in the West before Kyrie came. And then the year prior, we were able to make it all the way to the Western Conference finals against Golden State. So, that is at least a good sign, and now that you know we're kind of more serious on getting players to help out Luka and Kyrie, this is going to be a big win for the Mavericks. But speaking of wins for the Dallas Mavericks, earlier this week, Kyrie Irving signed re-signed again with the Mavericks on a three-year deal. I'm very excited. I I did want Kyrie back because it does help with the scoring situation. I know like the kind of like my problem with Kyrie is just the off the court stuff. You know, you know his anti-Semitic comments, the world being flat. I mean, we all know the controversies around Kyrie Irving of what happens off the court, but what he can do on the court, it just it's two different comparisons here because he is phenomenal on the court. Definitely a top point guard in the league and he can he can make it work he can make it work with luca what i believe what happened was when he got brought in we did not have enough time to work with him and luca you know we kind of just got him in the in the next trade because they just wanted to blow it up and get rid of you know Kyrie, katie and and harden just to kind of get everyone off their payroll and then we had to bring in Kyrie halfway through the season and that's not enough time to get two stars to work together especially since they're both very ball dominant players. Luca likes to have the ball because he's the, he's going to be the future of you know the Dallas Mavericks organization. He's most likely going to be the future of the NBA. And then Kyrie, who likes to have the ball too, because he loves to you know he loves his handles. He can he's a great shot creator. He can drive it to the lane. He can shoot the three. He can do it all as a point guard. So having two ball dominant players on the same team without any chemistry is not going to work a lot of the time. So now that Kyrie's coming back to Dallas, and now. That we're able, now we're gonna see what it looks like when they get a full offseason to work with each other, kind of get that ball rolling a little bit and being able to possibly be successful, you know, coming up in the season and not flame out towards the end of the season. So that was my, that's gonna be my biggest thing with them is that now they're gonna be able to work together and be able to go get over the hump that they were at this last season because this was the, that was the problem. And now that we're bringing in Grant Williams and some other players, it's going to help out on defense because that was my biggest thing when we were going into the offseason was we have offense. We have no problem scoring because Luca can get points. Kyrie can get points. Tim Hardaway can get points. Like we, we have people that can score, but we don't have any defenders. And that's the biggest problem is we don't have someone to stop the opposing team from scoring 31 when we score 30 or something like that. Or if we're in a close fight, we need to close out. We have a player. We don't have to rely on just, you know, hopefully Luca or Kyrie. You know outscores the rest of the other team we don't have to rely on that anymore now that we're getting in more players another player that we are are, that is actually coming back to the mavericks is seth curry stephen curry's little brother he got he is coming back to the mavericks and i think he's going to be a great addition because he is a pretty good shooter which i think is going to help on the bench for the dallas Mavericks. so that's going to he's going to be a great bench scorer because he's not going to start over kyrie but if kyrie doesn't play seth curry has experience he's a veteran point guard. And he can facilitate the offense. He's he was already there. Like I said, prior he was there a couple about a few years ago. He was there with the Mavericks, so he can familiarize himself pretty quickly. He can run an offense. He's done it before, you know. So he has some experience in this situation, and he has you know he's had success. So I'm I'm very happy we picked him up because it, he's going to help in the long run. I think he will. He will come in off the bench you know get some points he's a he's a pretty good three point shooter so that's definitely going to help when we need the bench to start scoring so we don't have to rely like i said on Kyrie and Luka just scoring all the time we have someone else that can help facilitate the offense when they're off the court and then Grant Williams is coming in you know to help out on defense and Seth Curry can defend too he's a pretty decent defender on the wing so he can help out with that one on the bench or if Kyrie's still tired he can come in and guard he can guard, you know, top point guards if he absolutely necessary. And he already has a good connection with Kyrie since they were both at Duke when Kyrie Irving was there. That one and done year he had. They were both there and they were teammates. So they can probably rekindle that connection. And it's going to help out a lot with the Mavericks. And then now Grant Williams is coming in. And then on top of that are two draft picks with Derek Lively the third, and Oliver Maxine Prosper. So we, we got something going here in Dallas for the Dallas Mavericks and I'm very excited because I was super scared that we weren't going to do anything this past offseason cuz I was I was really nervous cause I was like, "Oh, are we going to do something or are we going to have to wait possibly another couple years before, you know, we figure something out or we have to get rid of Kyrie?" Who knows, but now I think I'm excited for this team. I hope I believe Luke is going to be pretty excited, especially since Kyrie's coming back. And I think it should be great for Kyrie because he got a pretty good deal of money for a three-year contract. Because that was my uh, my thing with Kyrie when they were looking, when people were trying to see where he was going to go. Is that he was going to ask for a lot of money. Now, will a team give him that kind of money? It was probably going to be a no. Because he's kind of more, I mean, you can argue he's a little bit more trouble. You know, he's a little more trouble than he is kind of worth it. Because, I mean, we saw what happened in Brooklyn, uh, the Celtics, whatever. We've seen what happened. But now that he's coming in, he's... Not gonna be by himself. He has uh, Luca, who's younger. He doesn't have to work with him like like what happened with KD, who, who who's injured a lot because he's a little older. You know, he has someone that's young. He's a little fresher. He's the future of the NBA. So he does, and the Dallas Mavericks organization. So he doesn't have to worry about that as much. He can work with a with a young guy like Luca and get it. You know, kind of bring him up to his level. And I think he will elevate his game since Kyrie is gonna be the point. Majority of the time Luca does not have to play point guard he can play small forward if he has to or if he has to play point guard Kyrie can always move the shooting guard and they have that great combination of that and Kyrie can still make shots whenever he needs to and he can get Luka Doncic open and like I said along with Grant Williams and Seth uh, Seth Curry the Mavericks are looking scary I'm very excited for the Mavs and I'm very excited for the season Mar- Mark Cuban Mr. Shark take himself He's putting in some investments. He's really trying to make sure that the Mavericks don't have a bad season like they did last like this up like this past year. And Especially like I said they're probably taking notes from the Nuggets, getting pe- getting depth on the team over, you know, loading up on superstars because that's becoming my thing with uh, with all this going on with the Nuggets winning the they were able to win the finals, is that they didn't win it with just nothing but superstars, they won it with depth. And I th- and I believe that's what the Mavericks are going to try to do this year, is that they're going to try to get depth instead of just relying on starters that have to play 38 minutes, 40 minutes a game, possibly risking injury or fatigue or something even worse happening. You never know. But, you know, having depth and having those players that can step up when your starters are down, or when they can step up when someone's having an off game, is going to be very helpful going into the season and going into these 82 games and possibly into the playoffs. So I'm happy for the Dallas Mavericks. I'm very excited for the season to start um, You know, later on in the year. I'm very excited to see how the team is going to work out. So hats off to you, Mark Cuban, having a good off season. All right, sticking with the NBA, though. This was another shocker in the NBA world that happened earlier this week. This is my reaction to it. Damian Lillard has requested a trade from the Portland Trailblazers did I call it or what because last episode I said that he should request a trade because I think he should get out of there because he doesn't they don't really have nothing to offer him on top of that that he hasn't won anything now he requested a trade he wants to leave so I'm guessing he heard everybody saying he heard what I you know possibly heard what I said I don't know but he has requested a trade from the Portland Trailblazers now Will they trade him? Is probably going to be something else because who wants to give up? You know who's going to give up the most? I think is what Portland's uh, position is in because they're not in a position where well who's going to want Damian Lillard? I can name a bunch of teams that want Damian Lillard. Like half of the NBA wants Damian Lillard. The Spurs are a team. Miami Heat has is already shipping off players to make room for Damian Lillard. The Pacers. You know you name it. There's a lot of teams that are very interested in. Damian Lillard, because of his great shooting ability, he's a great point guard, you know, he can facilitate an offense, you name it, he can do it, but now that he actually requested one, because everyone wasn't sure, because of all the comments of lo- about loyalty, and he wants to be a blazer for life, all that talk, and now he wants a trade, and I think he's coming to that realization that he's getting older, he kind of wants a ring, he wants to, you know, submit his legacy with every, you know, within the NBA, and he wants to get a ring, so... Leaving Portland is probably gonna be the way to do it because he has to he just has to because there's no way Because there's no way he's gonna win one with Portland like I'm sorry Like I don't think he he will because they don't even attract free agents on their own It would be different if they ha- if he had always had a great team You know every year and they're like this close like they're inches away from reaching the finals But that's not true CJ McCollum who was their other great player is in new orleans now it's just been the dame show you know they're trying to draft young players that could help them for the future but it's not helping them today so now Damian lillard is probably thinking that i just want to get a ring now you know maybe he'll re- reunite with the with the blazers maybe retire as a blazer who knows but he now wants to be traded so so now let's look at some teams i know the biggest one is that he said he wants to play with the miami heat now do I think that he should? Yeah, because they've been the closest. In the past couple years, they've made the finals. They made it in the bubble when no one thought that they would. And then this past year, when they were the A-seed, lost one playoff uh, playing game, no one thought they were going to make it all the way to the finals, and they end up making it all the way to the finals on just Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, and, Cam Adebayo and, a, and the will to win, and they got to the finals. They were maybe one or two players short. Tyler Hero was definitely him being injured, You know He was a former Sixth Man of the Year, big fan of his, by the way. Him being gone and and taking away his shooting abilities definitely hurt the Miami Heat. I think if he wasn't injured and he would have played, would have been a different series. Not really a different series, but they definitely would have won one more game. And they would have been a little bit closer to beating the Nuggets than they were this past year. But now if they add Damian Lillard, I mean, the sky's the limit because they're going to be a top team in the East. They are going to be scary with him, Butler, and if Bam doesn't get traded away for it. And, you know, those top three, it, it's going to be monstrous in South Beach. However, though, my biggest concern is what, like I said, like the question I said earlier, is what, who is going to give up the most for Dame, for Dame time? That's going to be the biggest question of them all, is who's going to give up the most, because you're not, because sh- I'm not sure who who has enough to give. I know that the Spurs are picked to be the wild card of it, but I don't know who would they really give up to get Damian Lillard I can see maybe the person that would probably be worth it maybe it's Kelton Johnson the colored hair player but I don't think they're gonna give him up like there's no way with him and Wemby coming in no way he get they give him up like there's not gonna be any way and I don't know if they really have enough to get Damian Lillard you know to bring him into the Spurs Miami I know a couple of mock trades that I've seen is like a couple first but uh both Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson However, I don't think that they should trade like both of them. It's got to be one or the other, either Tyler or Duncan. Just because Duncan is a really good three-point shooter. I believe he's like the best three-point shooter on the Miami Heat. Tyler Hero, sixth man of the year. You don't really want to give that up either because he's great coming off the bench. He can help. Scoring when Jimmy Butler is dead and tired like he was in the finals when he wasn't having good games, he was able to come in and help out. Gabe Vincent is now gone. I believe he's with the Lakers now. So, he's not there to help. So, you know, Miami trying to make little, little shuffles. But in reality, it's going to be what are they really, truly going to give up for Damian Lillard? Now, I did see another one where they maybe send Bam. Like Bam and maybe Duncan or Tyler Hero. But I don't think you should really give away Bam because Bam had probably the best final series out of that whole team. He was probably the best out of everybody because he was just dominant in the finals against the Nuggets. He was really the only one doing damage against the Nuggets because Jimmy Butler was very inconsistent. And But they're not going to give up Jimmy Butler because he's, he's a star. There ain't no way they're going to trade him for Damian Lillard unless unless Miami does, it is a possibility, like, we can't really count that out, but I don't realistically see Miami trading away Jimmy Butler, who they already put a lot of money and time and effort into, and he's helped them so much, like I said, in the bubble when they went to the finals in this past year, it, they made it all the way to the finals, I believe they were, like, the top team in the East when the season began, uh, a little bit towards the middle, closer to the All-Star break, is after the All-Star break, Miami started slowly going down. But in the first probably quarter, quarter, or quarter to half of the season, they were actually like the number one team in the East, who was just dominating. So I don't really see them trading away Jimmy Butler, who was, who is, you know, a big part of their offense and a big part of the team morale. You know, everybody loves Jimmy. He ain't going nowhere anytime soon. So it's gonna be either Tyler, uh, Duncan, or Bam that are probably gonna be one of those traded. Or they try to get a three-team trade, but it, it's going to be really tough. I believe I think I saw one. It was kind of weird. It was like with Toronto. They can maybe try to find some way with Toronto, but I don't think Toronto is going to try it. So it's going to come to that lingering question: Who is going to give up the most for Damian Lillard? And we'll just have to see what ends up happening. Like I said, they're they're not going to. The Portland Trailblazers are not going to walk away with just a couple of draft picks and say, all right, cool, Dame, you're out of here. They're not. They invested, I guess, they, they did with Miami with Butler. They invested a lot of time, and they have a superstar, a top 100, top 75 NBA player of all time on their team. They're going to want something back. Like, they're going to probably want a lot back and a pretty penny. So it that's what's going to be the lingering question throughout the offseason is who is going to pay up for Jimmy Butler. Alrighty, moving on. Speaking of the Lakers, I think they made one of the smartest moves in the offseason for them is that they re-signed Austin Reeves. I'm happy that they re-signed Austin Reeves. I think he's one of he's a rising star. Like hands down, he's a rising star. I don't think anybody could disagree with me on that. He's he plays phenomenally. Even if he doesn't put up points on the board, this season he averaged 13 points. He's tough on defense. He hustles to the ball. There is no other thing you can really ask from him. You know, scoring, assists, rebounds, hustling on defense, get you know, getting steals. I've seen him take charges. I really don't see the NBA players take charges as much. But he's ta- he. I've seen him take so many charges in the NBA, which I'm very happy about. I'm like, good for him because that's a free turnover. And now we're seeing a little bit of a trend of NBA players starting to take charges more often to stop you know players like John Moran or LeBron or anybody like that from driving to the lane and just you know scoring all the time it's a good way to stop them and get it them you know to think twice about it so Austin Reeves you know I believe he's gonna be he's gonna be great like hands down he's gonna be great just obviously LeBron being there and kind of you know the GM taking over trying to see who he who he really wants to keep in LA but I think that the Lakers re-signing Reeves is probably gonna be like one of their best, their best ideas that they're gonna have this offseason. Because I know there was a lot of like a lot of speculation about if they're gonna go get Kyrie Irving, if maybe they're gonna to try to trade or sign him. Problem was that if they wanted Kyrie Irving, Austin Reeves is probably gonna to have to go. And I explained it whenever this first came up, is that Austin Reeves or Kyrie Irving, it's kind of like, are you gonna pay a lot of money to to Kyrie Irving to come on in and Hopefully, he plays. Hopefully, he doesn't have like an issue with somebody and then wants a trade, like what happened with the Nets and the Celtics and the Cavaliers, or put my money in my future with Austin Reeves, who's proving he can be great. He already has great morale with the team. LeBron loves him. Everybody loves him in L.A. I'm, I would take Austin Reeves, just because, like I said, he's younger. We don't know how much longer Kyrie Irving's gonna play. Who knows if he's gonna put himself in another scandal. And that's why I was, that's why for me, aside of being a Mavericks fan, I did want Kyrie Irving to come back just because I want another star on the team. But for LA, if they would have signed Kyrie Irving, they would have not been able to sign Austin Reeves. And I think the Lakers organization truly understood that because they needed to keep Austin Reeves. Because he's the future. Once LeBron is gone, if he decides to go, go play with Bronny whenever Bronny comes in next year, who, who's gonna be the next one up? It's gonna be Austin Reeves, and I think keeping him on, you know, and he has great team morale, like I said. He's he hustles, he's proven his worth to the LA organization. He's gonna be great once LeBron either retires or he goes plays with Bronny. Here's some of his stats for the past year. So shooting wise, he's a fifty-two percent shooter. From the three point line, he this this is from this past season. This past season he shot thirty nine point eight percent from the three point line, we can round it to forty. So from the free throw line, he's an eighty six percent free throw shooter and he averaged thirteen points a game. So those are pretty good numbers for a year two player coming coming in on a you know on a Lakers team that tries to load up as much as they can. So him coming in and showing dominance and saying that I want to be here, you know, and he got paid is just great because Austin Reeves fully deserves it. Just because he plays his heart out every game, every game that I watch him play, he always gives it 110%. Even when some of the players won't, he still hustles. I believe like there are some games where I saw they were getting, you know, they're getting absolutely blown out. But he would come in and try to get them back in the game. He fight, you know, he fights for rebounds, he takes charges, he tries to get a steal, he tries to get points. You know, but Austin Reeves just absolutely deserves, you know, getting paid and bring being brought back to the Lakers organization so he can help out. Because I do believe he's gonna be the future of the LA Lakers and he's just gonna be a future star, a future megastar in LA once LeBron leaves to either go play with Bronny or he retires, whatever he decides to do is gonna be up to him. But I believe in Austin Reeves. I think he's gonna be great and you know, congratulations to you, Austin Reeves, for staying in LA. Don't have to worry about going anywhere else. Can't say the same thing about Jordan Poole. Alrighty, moving on to the NFL. This one's kind of a question that got brought up um, I believe July third. And it was, if I'm worried about the 49ers and, you know, Brock Purdy, it was reported that he's ahead of schedule, but am I still worried for the 49ers? I'm going to say yes. Here's why I'm worried. They have talent. Like, they have a really good team. Defense, probably one of the top defenses in the NFL. They have Fred Warner. They have all those guys on that defense. Nick Bosa, you name it, they have it. They have a great defense and then offense. Debo, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey. My biggest concern though is gonna be the quarterback. What are they gonna do about quarterback? Because it clearly state they clearly want Brock Purdy to be the guy. But even though they're saying he's ahead of schedule, he has not practiced with anybody. He has not been on the field. We don't know if he's gonna be the same person, you know, throwing because of, you know. To be able to throw. We don't know if his strength is still going to be there when he comes back. Or he has to probably limit himself a little bit. That's the whole reason why they brought in Sam Darnold. Is because they they probably know. They have no idea when he's coming back. Or if he's going to be the same. So they're bringing him in. In case he's not ready. And then they still have Trey Lance that they invested three draft picks in. So that's what I'm more worried about. Is who's going to play quarterback. Because we saw it last season in the playoffs. When Brock Purdy got hurt. And then someone else got hurt. I forgot who the other guy was. So Christian McCaffrey had to be quarterback. And that's my biggest concern for the 49ers because each in the past uh, couple years, uh, previous years, they've had quarterbacks, but they keep getting hurt. Garoppolo, you know, that's why they got Trey Lance. is because they, they knew Garoppolo can't stay healthy. So they brought in Trey Lance to, you know, come on in and hopefully take his spot. You know, prove himself. You know, prove himself to be a gunslinger. He now... Trey Lance is injury prone, so he's out. Now, Brock Purdy had to come on in. He did really well this past season up until the playoffs where he got hurt. So, they they just don't have a quarterback that can stay consistently healthy. In the past few years, the three quarterbacks that they've ran have all gotten hurt at some point in time. Now, they're hoping that Brock Purdy will come back, but like I said, he has not practiced at all. They have not given up full update, and we haven't seen what he looks like throwing the ball so we're still not sure if he's going to be the same it's kind of the same idea like with an, when you tear an ACL is that when you tear an ACL who knows how you're going to be you know afterwards like if you're going to be able to run you know be explosive you know and be able to make those sharp turns you know you name it the ACL is what helps you with all that and that tendon right there is what helps you with the speed change of direction being able to jump you know we saw it with Oda Beckham he was a you know great wide receiver up until he started having knee problems and then he tore his ACL and You know, he started having you know, he kept getting injured. Wasn't the same player. And we've seen that time and time again with ACL injuries. Now, same thing if it's your elbow, but for quarterbacks, it's probably worse because you need your elbow, you need your arm to throw. Or it wasn't your elbow, it was his shoulder. Sorry about that. His shoulder is injured, you know, and it was his throwing shoulder, which even makes it worse. And it wasn't like it was a dirty tackle. I think it was like a well-placed like block. It's just that, you know, it ended up hurting him a lot more. So when you look at that. And you see the other track the track record of these other quarterbacks that they had, Jimmy Garoppolo, who's now with the Raiders, who, who knows if he's going to play because he's still not even suiting up either. And Trey Lance has been hurt all the time too. So they're bringing in Sam Darnold to hopefully help out. But that's my concern is they keep shuffling through quarterbacks like it's like nothing, like it's a deck of cards. They keep shuffling in, in quarterbacks, and they don't have a franchise quarterback who can stay consistently healthy. They're hoping it's Brock Purdy, but we don't know what he's going to look like. Trey Lance is definitely not the answer because he keeps getting hurt. He's like another Garoppolo. He keeps getting hurt. Sam Darnold, I mean, we've seen what he can do, and at least he out of all three of them, he's been the healthiest, ironically. So that so with him coming in, it may help, but it's not going to be Sam Darnold's team. And it's def, and it probably won't be Trey Lance's team. They're trying to make it Brock Purdy's team. But that's the biggest question mark I have with the 49ers, is what is he gonna look like post shoulder injury, post you know, ser, you know, post injury? Is he still gonna be the same? quarterback we don't know trey lance we we we're just counting the days until he got hurt until he gets hurt again because we he's been getting hurt a lot he gets hurt really early in the season and we're going to wait and see what you know if sam darnold's going to help or not so that's my biggest worry for the 49ers is that is that they not because they're lacking a talent not because they're not a good team you know they have a great offense they have a great defense they just don't have a quarterback that can stay healthy and that's going to be the biggest problem because we saw what happened when the playoffs, when they went up against the Eagles in playoffs. Brock Purdy got hurt. They were not, they wouldn't stand a chance. Now, I give credit to their defense because even though they didn't have a quarterback, the defense was still able to compete as much as they can. Just obviously being on the field for so long, you know, they're going to get tired at some point. And just not having an offense that just can't move the ball. When you have to put in Christian McCaffrey as your emergency quarterback. And even, you know, now they even changed the rule in the NFL where they can, activate a third quarterback on the bench in case that ever happens because they because the 49ers ran out of qbs they ran out of bodies to put against the eagles and now the nfl had to change a whole rule so now nfl teams can have three quarterbacks ready to go in case that scenario ever happens you know they didn't know it may happen but it happened and it seems like it's going to be a consistent thing for the 49ers now when will this catch up to them is a different question because that's been my thing is that they were they're running with injured quarterbacks but how long can they keep that up before it comes back and bites them you know because they got Trey Lance off a of trade they traded away a bunch of picks to get Trey Lance and then they trade they picked Brock Purdy with the last pick in the draft and then they just picked up Sam Darnold they're just cycling through quarterbacks at this point and it's just to me like when is it going to stop and you're going to say you know what we should we need to invest in a quarterback that's not going to get not going to get hurt you know either halfway through the season or two games into the season or in playoffs we got to find someone that's going to be consistent and that's going to be able to play. So that's what the 49ers need to do and that's what I'm most feared uh, fearful for them is that at one point this is going to come back and bite them because they're going to run out of quarterbacks and what they're not going to know what to do. You know, they're going to have to trade away somebody to get another quarterback from another team, you know, or do something because if not That's what's going to, you know, that's what ultimately leads them from being that team that can possibly win the Super Bowl and get to the Super Bowl to not get into the Super Bowl is because they, like I said, they have a great team. They've been able to make playoffs and get far, but they don't make it to the Super Bowl is because they don't have a quarterback that can stay healthy, and that's what's affecting them in the long run. So with that, hopefully the 49ers can get it figured out. Hopefully Brock Purdy comes back, you know, even if he's just like a a little bit of like the same old Brock Purdy, they're going to be okay, but they got to find a way to protect Those quarterbacks put bubble wrap on them. I don't know, figure something out, but they gotta protect those quarterbacks and make sure they don't get hurt, especially if they're gonna be rolling with with QBs that are just injury prone and just gonna. Hopefully, something works out. Alrighty, so next up, we're gonna move over to the Giants, and just my my problem I've been having is I've been I've been seeing a lot of people discuss you know this whole thing with Daniel Jones and oh Daniel Jones is a top quarterback. I I've seen my comments about it too. I'm sorry, I just don't agree. Daniel Jones is not a top quarterback. He's not because if we're going to base it off of this past season that he had a great year, you know, oh, he had a he had a pretty good year compared to the years prior. Because look what he did prior to last year. They weren't winning games. They weren't doing well. It wasn't like Daniel Jones was middle of the pack, you know, trying to make it into the wild card. No, they weren't that good. When Daniel Jones was there before Saquon arrived, and now he had a decent year, you know, the new coach for the Giants coming in. I think it was more him and him trying to develop a a little bit of a culture going on to be able to make, you know, the Giants great. However, though, here's my problem is that when you, you know, here's my problem when you try to do that, you know, not trying to build a culture, but when you're trying to make someone seem like they're this big of a quarterback when they're really not, You end up being disappointed in the end instead of just accepting reality here. So let me give you an example of this. So like I said, prior to the season, he was not great. This season, everyone's saying he's like a top quarterback. He's like maybe top 20. I just I don't think so. Because then, if he doesn't do well this past season, everyone's going to be shocked and flustered and confused about why he was why he didn't do so well, or why was, I thought he was supposed to be a great quarterback. He's got he got a little bit of help. They drafted a wide receiver. Uh, Darren Waller is now a giant. But here's my thing: their biggest component of that offense that makes Daniel Jones great is Saquon Barkley, and he may not even play because he's holding out for a contract. Now, with the contract thing for Saquon, do I think he should get like a five or six year contract? No, because the NFL uses up running backs like like that. They go through running backs fast. So maybe a two year contract, max three to just keep him around and you know hopefully get the last ounce of football out of him. That that that, that would work. But he's not gonna get a max contract, so I don't know what they're gonna do. But either way, he's holding out and we don't know how long this holdout's gonna be, if it may go into the season, because he just wants to get paid, especially since he's been a big reason for why they've been successful. And I, I completely agree. I think he is the reason why they're successful. Uh, prior to Darren Waller arriving, who was the only like name-worthy member of that whole New York Giants organization? It was Saquon Barkley. Who was the one uh, generating revenue for jersey sales? Saquon Barkley out of that whole team. Compared to everyone else, Dan, you know, Saquon Barkley. People wanted to go see Saquon Barkley run the ball. You know, when he was injured, they missed him a lot. Look at these numbers here. So, let's look at Daniel Jones with Saquon Barkley. With Saquon Barkley, he had a 91.4 PR. He passed for over 7,000 yards, and he had 44 touchdowns compared to 17 interceptions. Without Saquon Barkley, his PR went down to 84.1. He passed for 5,000 yards, 5,900 and he threw 35 touchdowns to 22 interceptions. So you can clearly see the drastic number change in you know with Daniel Jones, you know having Saquon and not having Saquon because Saquon being on the field opens up avenues. Because who are you going to be more scared of, Daniel Jones or Saquon? I I'd rather take out Saquon because even last season, whenever I saw the Cowboys play the Giants, you took away Saquon Barkley, which we did, and a lot of teams that was their main priority is taking away Saquon Barkley. They were not moving the ball. Like, they had a hard time. Every now and then they got lucky and got like a, a deep shot downfield, or they got a mid or a short. But Saquon Barkley takes over the game, sometimes, and he, he's a difference maker on that team. Without him there, I realistically do not see, you know, Daniel Jones making that, that drastic jump forward that everyone thinks he's going to have, or they're going to have him be like this. They, they thinking he's like this top quarterback that's going to be successful. No, I think that with Saquon there, he can be because it opens up the offense, like I said. And the thing that made it different this year from the past years is that now they're using his legs. They're doing a little more, you know, QB options, having quarterback goes so he can move, Since especially since he's apparently like very fast and shifty. We've seen it happen now with now with, you know, without Saquon, what's he going to do? Like, what is he really going to do? Because he can't run forever. You know they're going to cover Darren Waller because he's going to be already be the main uh, offensive person, the guard outside of Saquon. So what's he? What is he honestly going to do? And that's going to be my thing with him, with him without you know without playing with Saquon, especially since he has to go up against pretty good defenses like the Cowboys have. And I guess we can throw in the Eagles if you really want to, the Eagles and whoever else they got to play that season. They can't just rely on hopefully Daniel Jones because when they did that, they weren't that great. Like let's let's be real. They were not great when it was just Daniel Jones. When Saquon came in, it definitely made a difference for the Giants in that team. So this whole like this whole debate about well Daniel Jones is a great quarterback, or he's you know he's ranked pretty high. Or why don't they you know in the NFC? How is he not a top five quarterback in the NFC? Because he's not. You take away Saquon, he's clearly the number show. He does not produce that well you know like i said some like every now and then he has an explosive play which i give him you know he, he's talented he has speed you know he can throw the ball a little bit but without saquon it's just very difficult for him and that's what we that's what i've seen in the past few years with you know with daniel jones since he's been in the nfl but then when saquon came in his life was changed his life was a lot better with Saquon than it is without it so the Giants need to resign Saquon find some sort of deal like I said maybe a two three year like maximum don't give him a five year uh deal and you know hope he's gonna last five years because I, I really doubt he will especially how much he's being used in that offense don't give him that much don't give him that long term of a deal but give him about a two three maybe two maybe max three you know, your deal minimum a year or if he wants to play under the franchise tag, that's like up to him and what Saquon wants to do. But the Giants need to get him because if not, Daniel Jones will not be successful this next season because I don't even think that he's going to be he may make maybe he'll make the wild card again. But I don't I don't really see it happening anytime soon just because I think a lot of the NFC is stepping up and I, they're not going to win the division. They're not going to beat the Cowboys or the Eagles going into this year. Uh, they probably they will do better than the Commanders. I don't. I think the Commanders are not gonna be that well this year. But the but the Giants are gonna f- finish third in the NFC East. There's no way they're gonna finish top, not without Saquon Barkley at least. Alrighty, So final topic for today. I told you guys we'd be talking about the NFC South. So who do I have winning the NFC South? So first off, uh, discussing the NFC South, they and out of the whole NFC conference, they're probably the biggest set of question marks. That I've seen, you know, looking at every, looking at all the divisions. They're probably the one with the biggest question mark. Because all the teams, like, are, it's a very dependency thing when I look at all of them. Like, it's going to depend if Derek Carr is going to be good or he's going to have the year he had last year. We don't know what Desmond Ritter is going to look like. This is his first step. You know, this is his first season taking over the reins. Bryce Young is a rookie quarterback. Is he going to be sensational or is he going to need a little bit more time to ve- develop? Baker Mayfield. Now he's on a new team. But, looking at everything, it's going to come down to two teams. It's going to come down to the Saints, and it's going to come down to the Buccaneers. And I got the Buccaneers winning it. Here's why, here's why, here's why, before you get mad at me on this. Here's why I think the Buccaneers will take it. Because I think, overall, the Buccaneers, on paper, have a better team than probably all of the NFC South. Because, even though everyone likes to hate on Baker Mayfield, which is my guy, that's my guy. However... Let's look at beyond Baker Mayfield. Let's take him out of the equation for a second. They still have Chris Godwin. He's still he's still there. Mike Evans, an All Pro who averages a thousand yards receiving every season. He's you know every season he's played, he's gotten about a thousand. They have a pretty good offensive line because they're getting back their center and the injured players that they got. They got rid of Leonard Fournette, so they're probably gonna run with a different running back. They have a you know they have a good defense. They have a you know Ty Bowles. You know, he did at least a little bit of a decent job with the defense, you know. So comparing them to the rest of the NFC, uh, NFC South, wide receivers between them and the Saints, pretty self-explanatory. I'm going to take the Buccaneers wide receiving core because Michael Thomas, we don't know if he's going to be ever healthy ever again. Chris Olave, I love Chris Olave. I think he's going to be a pretty good wide receiver in the league. And that's about it. But between those two and Chris Godwin and... Mike Evans, they win. the The Atlanta Falcons, just Drake London, really, and Kyle Pitts. If you want to throw Kyle Pitts in, I know fantasy football, fantasy football owners are waiting for the day for Kyle Pitts to be great, so they can get some points and probably win a title belt for their fantasy, for their fantasy league. But we don't know. But between them and the Buccaneers, I still take the Buccaneers wide receiver core. Then let's go to the let's go to Carolina. All they really have is Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen or Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. I'm gonna take them. Let's look at their offensive lines. I think Tampa Bay by far has a better offensive line than probably most of the most of the division. So they have an edge. Defensively, I think that's the closest theme is them and the Panthers because the Panthers had a pretty good defense uh, last season. Like that was like one of the better things about that team last year. Aside of them firing Matt Rule, is the defense. I think the defense did play pretty solid especially when Baker was struggling and Sam darnold was kind of struggling a little bit towards the end PJ Walker had to come in that defense kind of kept them you know kind of kept them afloat but between them and the Buccaneers when the Buccaneers had to go play defense I think that uh, that was pretty close but I think a little bit of the Buccaneers have the edge on that so really and here's where I say the biggest question marks are going to come in from the rest of the whole for that whole division let's start with the Saints like I said we don't know if Derek Carr is going to be you know, last year, Derek Carr, where he was second in interceptions, and he just didn't play well, even though he had the best wide receiver in the NFL with him, and Darren Waller, and he had a top running back in Josh Jacobs, and they still weren't able to get it to go. Pair that with a bad defense. You know, he didn't play good. Overall, he did not play good. Then let's look at Desmond Ritter and that and that offense over there in Atlanta. We don't know what he's going to look like. We just don't. Like, it's a big question mark. We're hoping that B. John Robinson is going to help out a lot and be, you know, help elevate that offense with Cordell Patterson so but we don't know if he's going to be good or not so that's a big question mark in theory he should now let's look at Carolina you know Bryce Young I hope he is great he looks like he's going to be a, a great quarterback in the NFL however they don't have enough weapons around him to make him you know be at the top of his game where he needs to be you know aside of Adam Thielen who has proven to be a number one wide receiver but you know who knows what it's going to look like now You know, with Frank Variable being there, who knows what's going to happen with Bryce Young? You know, so that's another question mark. And then Baker Mayfield, same thing with the Buccaneers. If he's going to look like 2020 Baker Mayfield, where he had a pretty good year, or, you know, he's going to look like the Panthers, which I don't think so, because he's in a similar offense that he ran. Now with them bringing in uh, Canales, bringing him in from Seattle, and... You know, so top I believe Todd Bowles, they had to change up the whole office for Baker Mayfield to come in. He's most likely going to be the starter, you know, but who knows what's going to happen with Baker, especially since he's coming off an injury and, you know, kind of going decently in the, with the L.A. Rams whenever he went over there. But he, you know, he was able to do at least okay because he was working with third-string wide receivers and, you know, a defense that didn't have Aaron Donald anymore. You know, now we're going to see what he can do with more talent. He on paper has more talent because he didn't have much talent in LA because everyone was hurt he did he really didn't have a lot of talent in Carolina and he had a bad coach in Matt Rule and then in Cleveland Odell got hurt so all he had was really Jarvis Landry and Nick Chubb but now he has a little bit more offensive weapons with Tampa Bay you know a little bit of a similar offense that he ran so but like I said the biggest question mark is gonna be him and maybe Todd Bowles and how he's gonna run that team so there's a lot of question marks surrounding the NFC South, and I said it before. I think they're going to be one of the weaker divisions. I don't really see them finishing like one and two. You know, they maybe finish fourth in the fourth overall in the NFC and the whole NFC division. And the whole NFC, they're going to finish probably fourth. But I do, on paper, I think the Buccaneers have a better team than everybody there. Like I said, it's going to be between them and the Saints. I think the Saints are going to be the closest ones to beat it, to win. Because defensively, also for Atlanta, I really don't see them competing with the Bucks. You know, I think that's another thing that was kind of like a little bit of a, a downgrade. Not really a downgrade, but I know that was one of the more, like, lesser parts of the Atlanta team was their defense wasn't the best. You know, so I have the Buccaneers, the Saints, and then the Panthers, along with Atlanta, probably finishing at the bottom. Maybe... You know, maybe they something might get switched, but overall, I do believe have I do believe that B- Biker Mayfield and the Buccaneers will win their division and win the NFC South and go to the playoffs. But alrighty, that's gonna wrap things up on this episode of the CAV Sports Podcast. Make sure you guys follow me on all of my socials at CAV Sports or CAV Sports Podcast. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. You guys name it, I'm on it. This episode will be live on Spotify, YouTube. Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music. But until next time, I'll see you guys in the next episode.